This episode is brought to you by Blueprint Renovate Program, the program designed to create space in your firm to cultivate mindset change through what you do every day. Visit blueprinthq.com.au slash contact to start the conversation. Welcome to Conversations with Sam Dean. I'm Sam Dean and I'm excited to have you here to explore the conversations that accountants and advisors can have with their clients to cultivate business mastery. All the notes and links for the show can be found at blueprinthq.com.au slash podcast. Let's start a conversation. Welcome back. In this week's show episodes, we will have part two of my interview with David Massfield founder of Shedblog and Startup Toowoomba and the president of Canvas co-working here in my local town of Toowoomba, Queensland. If you haven't already listened to the first part of the episode, I'd highly recommend you do so and open up your podcast app and go back for last week's episode and listen to it. Listen to part one before this episode. Then you can come back and enjoy this episode with David, which is all about startup innovation and then some thoughts on the future business models and maybe some challenges from society point of view. It was an unexpected turn in our conversation, but it is one worth listening to. It's such an interesting thing um, for me, particularly coming out of the um, you know more traditional style of businesses and kind of doing that in a traditional style of businesses. And I know too the, the business success has been from persistence as well. So I suppose the difference is with a startup, an innovative startup, that idea or that what they're actually going to sell hasn't been in the market before. Is that the difference? Or they're trying to do something that hasn't been tried before and that's why they pop into that definition? Yeah, so that's an interesting thing. Mm. So sometimes the timing's not right. Mm -hmm. Sometimes things have been tried before Mm -hmm. and it didn't work and so it was a failure and two years later, Somebody goes, I'll have a crack at that. And they, people go, oh, it's been tried before. It never yeah. worked. And the next thing you know, you find out that the market's matured, the customers are ready, they, they understand the technology, and, and they're ready to go. So yeah. it's, uh, it's, it can be a matter of timing. It can be a matter of getting people uh, to adopt a technology. So what we call crossing the chasm. Yes, crossing the chasm, yeah. So you have the mm-hmm. your, your early advocates, yeah. the, the really early adopters that will try anything. And then, yeah, then your early early advocates, your early adopters, mm-hmm. that uh, that are more readily to get on board with new technologies, and and then if you once you exhaust that, you need to get into the mainstream. And if uh, sometimes products just don't make mainstream at that time, yep. and uh, and they fail, but uh, at the same time, uh, ideas or business models can be being developed identically in different parts of the world. Unbeknown to the each other, other mm-hmm. to the other, and or known to the other, and one fails and the other succeeds, and they take the market over. And so there's uh, often nothing is really done in isolation. We get a lot of people coming to us and they go, I've got this idea, there's nobody doing it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and we're like, yes, okay, yeah. let's 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 explore that. And usually, within thirty seconds on Google, we've pointed out to the to them the four or five other people globally that are doing exactly what they're doing. Yeah. And often it's because of founder bias. So when you've got an idea, you don't like to think that there's really somebody else out doing. So you're not necessarily trying as hard as you should to find out what other people are doing. You'd yeah. rather 
Try and be secretive. You try and hide away. And this is where a lot of time and a lot of money is wasted. Oh, yeah, okay, the good point. By, mm. by building in stealth, yeah. in the quiet, without talking to people, without getting involved in an incubator or a program that might be run by someone like Startup Tombra or Canvas Coworking, and, and make those explorations, those discoveries faster than you would by just sticking it out in the garage at home or hiding away in the lounge or the study yeah. and working on your idea there. You can come out. Uh, so one of the way, one of the techniques that people make is they'll, they'll come out and they'll do some testing and some validation and they'll prove that they might be onto something. Yep. Then they can go into stealth mode. Then you can sort of like go, whoosh, okay, let's yep. go into hush stealth mode. Let's build in secret. Let's not talk to too many people about it. But we've at least we've done enough homework to prove that uh, that we've got something here. So it's not uncommon uh, for people to do that too. So I suppose what I picked up there too is in in the fail fast when you're a startup, which is an innovative idea, getting into these incubators and stuff can really help you fail faster, which is, you know, one of the one of the key things. Is that is that a, a good tip, do you think, for anyone think in this space? Absolutely. So one of the things that incubators and accelerator programs are looking for is the team. Yeah. Who's the entrepreneur? Who who have they got around them? And uh, it's been described to me as the the five most important things for a startup in an accelerator program mm-hmm. is team, 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 and an idea. And so you, they might come in with a, an idea, it, they fail fast, and in the next eight weeks of the 12-week program, they're able to stand up a brand new idea that maybe one of the other members of the team went, hey, you know, I reckon maybe we're on to something else over here. Yeah. And let, let's have a crack at that. And uh, the next thing you know, they come out the other end of their 12-week program and they have a new business model, a new customer, and, and a new success story. That work. So that's probably what you mean by the temporary organisation, is it? And then that, that would be one pivot and then they can come out from that. Mm. And then once they kind of get their systems and the processes and the sustainability of that going, then they become a fully-fledged business and move out of startup. Yeah, that's right. You'd be moving into what they call scale-up. but. Yep. Uh, I like to describe them as pivots mm-hmm. and iteration. Okay. So a pivot is when you might change something big, like you might change who your customer is. You might think our customer is, is 30 to 40-year-old uh, housewives that are stay-at-home with uh, with children. And, uh, and a pivot would be we actually we've decided it's young men, 20 to 25, that are in their first or second job. And that's that would a be pivot. pivot. Maybe yep. using the same similar product but a different customer base yep. there. So 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 it's like basketball. One part of the business model has stayed grounded, yep. but you've moved other sections by pivoting. And then an iteration is a minor change. So that might be just changing a part of the service or changing the uh, revenue model from you know, pay-per-click to a subscription service yep. or, or something like that, yep. but staying with the same customer, staying with the same product or service and things like that. And so iterations and pivots. At what point, you know, get back to our, our pragmatic stuff, do you advise or have you seen the startups go, okay, well, it's time to get some foundation around the actual business model, maybe talk to somebody about company structure or and, you know, by protection too, I mean that ultimately I assume they've done some kind of planning and said we want to go big, so we need to protect it now. Do you have any advice or have you seen any, have you got any war stories about people who haven't really done that work early and have actually grown 
and then kind of the foundations have fallen off a little bit because the foundations weren't put in because this is such a challenging area, I think, for startup because you said it before in your shed blog um, when we were talking about that, is that at what point do you say, I now have the capital that I can actually invest in the foundations to make sure that they were protected? So do you have any advice around that or would you have any advice to the sort of the taxation and finance world as to actually how they might be able to advise startups better in this area? Sure. So you know, one of the things that, that I like to talk to teams about is don't get too strung up in the first short amount of time mm. when you come up first come up with an idea with you know, who's the CEO, who's yeah. the founder, how are we going to split up the chairs? You know, we, we, we run events that run on a weekend uh, called Startup Weekend. Yep. And we've seen teams dissolve by four, within 48 hours over a good idea because they argue black and blue yep. about who's getting what share and who's doing what when and how that's going to work. Oh, they haven't even got a business yet. No, <laughs> that's exactly right. So I think the important thing is is to validate the concept that you've, you've got an idea that's, that, that can potentially work and that there's, uh, that there's a customer out there that's prepared to pay for it and then – Get some advice once you know that you've got something worth getting some advice for. And usually what I'd recommend is at least at the very minimum if you've got a co-founder is to is to just get something on paper, just even just a written agreement on how we intend to go forward, who's going to do what and, and what should a share, how you split the shares up. Because you may not have even formed the company yet. Yeah, you might. <laughs> I mean, because... Again, that's why I really liked your definition of temporary organisation um, mm. rather than a business or, or anything like that because until you sort of get out of that part and you don't have any um, massive cost structure yet or revenue, obviously, you don't need any anything you know around that. But you still need that agreement, at least in principle, between the parties because mm. that's where… Partnership agreement, yeah. Yeah, um, but maybe not even… One of the interesting things I've seen done in the past is just, and I don't know if you've seen this, but um, we offer it. I don't know if anyone else does, but sort of like a little brainstorming session on, okay, if we are sitting here in 10 years' time, what would it look like? And the documents that are produced are very short and sharp, and it's not a long term, and it certainly wouldn't hold up in court, but it would give you at least the understanding so everyone knows where everyone's sitting before that might happen. But the chances of it actually happening is probably 20 to 10 or, or something, 20, sorry, 20 to 1, like that. And for me, I've done that a couple of times in some of the iteration of my businesses now. And it's you kind of get some of the stuff out first before yeah. it happens. So it's a really interesting and it's an extremely challenging space. And mm. it's one of the hardest things about a uh, startup, especially yeah. technology startups that potentially have the, sc- uh, the opportunity or the potential to scale globally quite rapidly, uh, these are the ones that are often invited into the sort of uh, accelerator programs yeah. where they might be uh, invited into the program. They they get twenty to $50,000 or more capital invested by the fund mm-hmm. that's running the accelerator. And at that point of time, even prior to this, they may be at idea stage even in, in, in some of these circumstances. They're expected to create a company and put a valuation on it because they're being offered, say, $50,000 for a 4% share of your company. Oh, so wow. 
or five percent share of the company. So all of a sudden, that the company is is worth a million dollars on paper, or half a million dollars on paper, depending on how those sums come out. But then you've got to go, okay, well, we've got a team of three here, and it was my idea. Don't I get like sixty percent share of the remainder? And then they'll go, well, I'm the only guy that can code, so I want fifty percent share and things like that. So how do you deal with situations like that? And having a good shareholders agreement that has a vesting schedule and and the vesting schedule is such Mm. that your share in the company only comes into play once you've given that six months or 12 months and then that might be only 20% of that share in the company comes in at that point in time. So these are some of the biggest conversations to have at that early stages if you're taking investment. Yeah, and it's so important and it's such a proactive way to look at it because it doesn't matter if it's startup or a traditional business that you've bought into. If you don't get the emotion and the feelings and, well, this is my expectation actually, if we're sitting here in 10 years' time and it does go to $10 million, uh, I would expect 60% and someone's sitting around going, you know. No way, man. No way, man. (laughs) And you don't have that conversation naturally early on because everyone's excited and it's new and we're going to be the next Uber and and whatever that may be. And because for me too, because of the, I mean, am I right in saying this? Because of the, you know, the 20 to 1 starts and a lot of people would go in as friends and even if they don't succeed, those sort of conversations, even if they don't even get to that point, would break down as well, which is probably even sometimes a bigger loss than than the potential money. So if they get the the conversations done early when there's no vested interest, have you seen that? Is, Is that something that you see? Yeah, certainly. Uh, certainly, I've seen um, people even locally that have uh, worked together on an idea. It's come time to get more formal in the structure, and the person's going, "Well, no, I wasn't just employing you as a consultant. You're not uh, part of the startup team." So, like, no way. And I was a founder. <laughs> Things yeah. like that. It's like no. So, total misunderstanding. Total misunderstanding. Of that, of it's that not situation. even. Yeah. yeah. Wow, that's really interesting. My little. Brains going off, off here saying, Oh my goodness, it's at all aspects of the business too. Because you're quite right. You get an idea together and you're down at the pub or, or wherever you're at, or you're at co working mm-hmm. canvas, of course, only having coffee. And you never think about that. And I think that if conversations are had early on in the piece and it's kind of like a standard thing to have with like, how would you even approach that with like more education with these guys? Because no one wants to have those conversations, but they're, they're important, important conversations to have. For sure. So the the way that you can uh, avoid not having those conversations is to get involved in a place like Canvas Coworking mm-hmm. or Startup Toowoomba or an incubator or an accelerator program at any of the other hubs yep. around town. They have in-house mentors that uh, have speci- specialise in, in working on IP, trademarks, intellectual property, commercialisation, partnerships and shareholder agreements and all those things, they know what's happened before. You know, they've seen it all happen. They, they know how you can avoid making those mistakes. But if you are doing things in stealth, hiding yourself away, not getting involved, then you're not exposing yourself to those mentors, you're not getting that advice, which is often free. In these mm-hmm. early stages, in these stages, yeah. Uh, one of the one of the best things about the genuine startup ecosystem is the give first uh, attitude to the people that are genuinely uh, interested in supporting startup companies get going. 
Yeah. Uh, of course, at the back end, they're looking for a return, but they're not looking for a return up front. They're not drilling you for bucks out of your pocket right now and things like that. They, they give their time into these programs so that companies have the opportunity to start and they'll remember you. You know, you'll remember them and you'll you'll go to them for some support to get that professional help. Yeah, and I think that that's so important because even if you're a mature business or a startup, is getting and you said it earlier on in the piece, getting that that who around you, getting that team team around you, um, so you can learn from their mistakes or other people's mistakes, and it doesn't certainly guarantee. So to sort of start finishing off for startups, if you had to have say two or three tips, apart from what we've already talked, obviously teams an important one. I mean, it, it sounds like you couldn't even pick up a pattern, like what's successful and what's not. Is it all about the people? What's your big tip? What would you think in all your time? If you see that, you think, oh, they've got a, a better than average chance. Yeah, so it's drive. Drive, yeah. It's drive, dedication. I tend to, I tend to see quite quickly people within our community, whether I, uh, I feel that they're going to be successful, whether it's now or in the longer mm-hmm. term. Because you can just you can almost live off their vibe, you can you can feel the buzz. You know that whether they've uh, when they've failed, they are not like oh my god, this is the end of the world. It's like what's next? What can I learn from that? Yeah, what How can, can I learn from that? Yeah. What's what's next? But the the people that uh, that I see out there that are successful, they they're doing stuff every day. Yes, persistent. Right. It's still persistence. It's consistency isn't it? mm. and persistence. And they're asking questions mm-hmm. all the time. They're polling their community, their network, to find out what it is they need. What do they think? Uh, how, you know, if I try, what do you think of this idea I'd like to implement within our business? And before actually doing it, they're, they're talking about it to see what kind of feedback they can get back. And they're validating the, the opportunities and potentials rather than just launching something without any proof, they'll often do some validation. Or if they are testing something without proof to start off with, they're, they're utilising an MVP, a minimum yep. viable product. The, yep. the least they can do to prove, test, validate that their concept should be taken forward in a more polished format in the future. So it's really like everything in life. It's consistent, persistence. Be very curious. Yes. And test, 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 and then maybe test it again. Yeah, and don't be scared to think outside of the box. Mm-hmm. You know, think think uh, you know, some of the, the crazier ideas that we've heard of the, the, over the past 10 or 20 years are the ones that have uh, that, that are in existence today that we all use. You know? Oh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the iPhone. Uh, Talking it, into watches like we're Dick Tracy these days. <laughs> Talking into watches. Um, I think we saw that though. It was interesting. I saw once saw the um, the pilot episode of Star Trek, and they had in that so it was nineteen sixty nine. That was I didn't watch it when it was the original, like when it was launched. But the pilot, I think, it was on Netflix and was just actually dreadful. But what they had on it, which was super interesting, was a screen that you touched and flicked. Yes. So like a, a touch screen, and I saw that, and that was in 1969. Yeah. Someone had, like had a flip phone, like flip phone communicators. Yeah. So their communicators looked like a flip, yeah, flip phone. phone. Flip phones mm. weren't even out yet. They had their, uh, they could check your 
idols and yep. signs by waving things over you like like we do today. Hell yeah. And uh, and they use things that look like iPads all the time. It did. It yeah. looked like iPads all <laughs> the time. Way before they were invented. And I just went, oh, my goodness. So, you know, th- they had thought about that and, and created it in cardboard and then here so, we are today and, and a lot of that stuff's come true. I, I think looking at science fiction mm. uh, is a great way to look at science as a future. It's a way to to uh, even come up with new ideas that aren't really new. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, if you find the technology to actually make it happen, then you're on to a winner. Just one more quick question. Talking about technology, um, I've read recently or I've seen that we're not really going to see – what's your opinion because you're, you're more in this area than I am – that we're sort of seeing the the innovations in technology, if you like, that they've, they've been – so we just get more and more improvement in that. We won't see that big shift, um, I mean, who knows, but in, in the next 10 or 15 years. So now it's just all about um, how we leverage off it. Is that, do you agree with that from the innovation point of view? There's a few challenges that people are seeing in the computer chip side of things. Yeah. Where, um, But no, I, I think that will continue to accelerate yeah. in, in leaps and bounds in, in the way that things are, are happening we look at the speed of progress uh, from entrepreneurs like Jeff Bezos and uh, Elon Musk yeah. and Richard Branson with their push to space. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that things are only just going to accelerate and I am excited. So going into the future with the acceleration of technology, where do you think we sit now as humans? Um, is the conversation piece, obviously conversation is my my passion piece. I, for me, we're going to be able to use the technology to create more time so we can get back to the human connection. Would you agree with that and, and, and how would that work in, in the startup and innovation space? There's a, a massive potential for us to do all sorts of things from biohacking humanity to mm-hmm. medical advances. Uh, there's going to be – that brings along huge challenges as well. Uh, with technology taking over jobs, robotics and things like that, then you know that opens up the conversations about income and and supportive uh, minimum you know minimum incomes for for people. Uh, you know, I think I think about the Star Trek utopian society yes. and things like yep. that. I think the biggest threat from technology currently is the is the malpractice that we see politicians and political organisations, um, terrorist groups and things like that, that utilise technology to to bring along people in the wrong direction, you know, disrupting elections and and using their power to to sway the the whole communities mm-hmm. and things like that. And uh, the one of the other areas that is the pace of change means that uh, a lot of people can be left behind. Yes. Uh, and I think that, you know, this could be controversial when I say this, but I think there's uh, a, a lot of people that have been left behind. Uh, their mindsets aren't keeping up with mm-hmm. youth and, and the younger yep. generations of today. So we, we see the challenges around climate and uh, and the science around that and and the old ways of thinking, we've got uh, we've got school systems that that need to change because they're based on the industrial early industrial yes. age where we were training people to be robots for factories mm-hmm. and things like that. But now that's changing to that, yep. and things like that. So there's a massive amount of challenges. There's a huge amount of opportunities still to go. I think that 
we will in you know 120 years we will start to look a lot more like Star Trek utopian type societies. Yeah, I forgot about the yeah. It's a challenge, isn't it? This next stage is because uh, this is a transition stage, and and the social distribution of wealth because you'll have these big businesses like Amazon, and you know then the responsibility. And then the purpose of getting up, if you don't, if, 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 even if you get to utopia, utopian societies, and then your jobs become looking after community and making everyone's okay. And then how do you, you pay those social? Because we've gone very deep here, David. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I think it's super interesting. I think that, I think for me though, it, it goes back to that ability to have conversation and connect with people. And the more we do that, the more we will solve those problems quicker. Yeah. Absolutely. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much. We kind of went down a road I wasn't expecting at the end, but I think there was some some great insight, I think in particular from the startup and, again, the people elements even in technology um, to that chat. So can you just tell us briefly where everyone can find you? Sure. And maybe just a quick what's coming up, what's exciting coming up maybe in the next uh, three to six months sure. here at Coworking Campus. Yeah, so you will find me at Canvas Coworking Space. Uh, you'll find me on Facebook, David Macefield, mm-hmm. and not hard to miss there. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, but I'm not there, there very <laughs> often. So uh, you can find me on the end of the phone. So all my details are out there. Give me on LinkedIn, phone number's on there if you need to talk. Uh, just give us a call. Otherwise, I am here at Canvas Coworking five to six days a week. Uh, unless I am travelling to a conference or uh, something similar uh, overseas. So what's coming up? Um, so for Canvas Coworking and Startup Toowoomba, uh, we've got uh, Mira. So Mira is METS uh, Innovation Regional Accelerator Program. So we'll be running that uh, over the next three or four months. And so we'll be inviting companies that service the mining uh, energy, mm-hmm. gas type of industries to uh, that have a new innovation or they might actually be working in agriculture but they think that their technology could translate across to the mining industry. Yep. Then we'll be inviting those teams to come in for a uh, mini accelerator program run over six to eight weeks and uh, finishing up with a demo day. So that's uh, that's super exciting. We're, we're looking to launch our Flare incubator program for uh, female-led uh, aspiring to go international, regional companies. So, and that's a, that's a going to be a 12 to 16 week mentor driven accelerator program to assist these people to take their idea global. And that will be run from Canvas Coworking. So we're super excited about that. But aside from that, we run about 300 events a year at Canvas Coworking that people could engage with everything from um, an expert residence situation where you can come in and talk to a lawyer or talk to an accountant or talk to a branding expert, food technology person, uh, through to pitch nights, visiting entrepreneur programs, WordPress meetups, and they are they are going every day of the week. There's something happening here, and it's uh, it's ninety nine dollars a year to be a community member, so you can attend those events, and you can co work here from uh, from ninety nine bucks. Fantastic, and I do strongly recommend, even if you aren't obviously in the Toowoomba regional area, I know that these type of organisations and and spaces are all around, not only Australia but around the world. So 
get into community, get into group. It is lonely being a startup entrepreneur. And if you put the right people around you, as someone quite famous said, it's not about the the how, sometimes it's about the who. So again, thank you very much. Well, there you have it. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with David Massfield. And there's so many takeaways from this conversation. So stay tuned next week when I dive deeper into some of the top takeaways from this conversations, things that I think we as accountants can learn and apply into our own businesses and to our conversations with our clients and also our outlook into the future. So as always, be brave and continue the conversation. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. To check out more information on all things Sam Dean and Blueprint, go to the website blueprinthq.com.au and remember, continue the conversation and be brave. See you next time.